not been coming yet on Wednesday nights, <clears throat> we are studying about sharing the gospel with Mormons. And uh, if you'd like to uh, get some information and learn some things that may be helpful in that area, uh, it'd be great if you could come to those, uh, those uh, sessions on Wednesday nights. And uh, I think we've got about four more of them yet to go. And um, I uh, had a little bit of input on our note sheets last week with the fill in the blanks. So I will probably be adjusting that uh, moving forward and not having as many or maybe not any fill in the blanks, but maybe just give you the notes um, to be a help. And hopefully you'll keep them, put them in a notebook, and it'll be a help to you, something you use as a resource when uh, Mormon folks come. And then, Lord willing, um, after that we'll be... Uh, we'll take a few week break and then we'll work on uh, sharing the gospel with a Jehovah's Witness as well and uh, be going through that. And so uh, bear with us as we finish up this year, get into the new year. Uh, we've got three or four uh, groups that we want to deal with. The Muslims is another one that I'd like to deal with and trying to be a help to them. So pray for that, that God will give wisdom and guidance. Um, these folks need the gospel just as much as anyone else. And so uh, certainly be praying for that as we move forward. Colossians chapter 4, Colossians chapter number 4, just one verse of Scripture this afternoon, verse number 6. Paul writes, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Father, we pray that you'll bless the message. May you use it to work in our hearts this afternoon and stir us. Um, with conviction as you point out things in our life that need to change, need to be helpful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, this morning in uh, the services, both in Sunday school and I believe in the 11 o'clock hour, we spent some time dealing uh, with the grace of God and what a joy it is that we have the grace of God. Aren't you glad of that? Uh, certainly not anything we deserve. And uh, we made mention of the fact that He is our great example uh, over and over throughout Scripture, the Bible speaks of us treating each other and the way that we deal with people in this life, that we're to deal with them graciously. And uh, if we're to deal with them graciously, I think that we must use God as our, um, our example that we look to in how we deal with things. The truth of the matter is uh, there's not one of us sitting here today that has not done something towards God that was offensive to him. Uh, all of us have offended God at some point or another. All of us have failed God at some point or another. And yet he continues to give grace to us. That's, that's mind-boggling and from a human perspective anyway, isn't it? Um, we, we got the idea that if somebody hits me, uh, I'm going to hit them back. Or better yet, I'm going to hit them first, you know, and uh, eye for an eye. And if they, uh, they treat me this way, that's the way I'm going to treat them. But yet that's not at all the example that God gave, is it? Uh, in fact, the Bible says that we're to be kind. In Ephesians, it says, Be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Again, showing Him as our example and how we are to deal with people. And so uh, it's, it's, we talk about this and we preach on it. The truth is we've got the Sunday afternoon crowd here. And uh, I, as far as I know, all of you are saved and all of us have trusted Christ as our Savior and, and I would say this, I, I don't think this is a new concept for us. Is, is this new to anybody? You've never heard that we ought to be gracious to people? I, I think this is not new, right? We're pretty much uh, in agreement on it. The problem comes sometimes 
in the application of it. How do we accomplish this? And so I want to try to give you some things this afternoon that we can be watchful of and careful of in our treating of people. Uh, You know, uh, as I was several years ago preaching on the fruit of the Spirit, uh, and we got to the part, it says love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and then the, uh, uh, the characteristic of gentleness. I got to the idea of gentleness, and we spent an entire service on the idea of gentleness. And the truth of the matter is people are fragile. And I don't know if we realize this or not. Some of us think, well, you know, I sure, certainly am not fragile. I'm a pretty strong fellow. But not everybody is like that. Not everybody has a tough skin. And uh, there are people that are fragile. And there needs to be a gentleness, although a boldness and a pointedness of the truth, there still needs to be a gentleness and a graciousness in how we handle people. Years ago, Charles Spurgeon, who was known as the Prince of Preachers and pastored a church over in England, he was very well known. There was another fellow over there that pastored another good church by the name of Joseph Parker. And uh, the two of them were, uh, had pretty large works. And Charles Spurgeon, his ministry had started a, an orphanage. And one day, as uh, Brother Parker was preaching in his church, he made mention in one of the messages about the, uh, the, how, how uh, rough the characters were and how bad the, the kids were that were being brought into Spurgeon's um, orphanage. He wasn't being critical of Spurgeon, nor was he being critical of the orphanage. He was using it to make a point in how that Spurgeon was caring for such people as this. And word got back to Spurgeon by way of a third party. And by the way, any time a third party gets mixed up in something, it rarely comes out to be the truth. Have you ever noticed that? And a third party got involved and got word back to Spurgeon that Brother Parker had criticized the orphanage. And uh, Brother Spurgeon, the next Sunday, got up from the pulpit and just raked Brother Parker over the coals. I mean, from the pulpit publicly. Got put in all the newspapers And it was a major, major thing. The following Sunday, a lot of people came to Joseph Parker's church. They wanted to see how he was going to respond to what Brother Spurgeon had had done in in, uh, Spurgeon's tabernacle there. And uh, it just happened to be a week that Brother Spurgeon was traveling away from his church. Brother Parker knew that that Sunday was the Sunday that normally Brother Spurgeon would take an offering in his church for the orphanage. Knowing that he was going to be out of town... And knowing that the orphanage would suffer because of it, he went to his people in the pulpit and said, I'd like our church to take an offering for that orphanage. And Brother Spurgeon came back humbled. And he went and met with Brother Parker and asked his forgiveness. He said, for you have treated me with grace when I have not treated you with grace. I share that story to say that even some of the most well-meaning and spirit-filled people, even people that love God with all of their hearts, can from time to time not be quite as gracious as we should be. So I want to share a few things with you that the Bible speaks of about our dealing with people and the graciousness of it. Hopefully it will be a help to you, give you four things today that hopefully will be able to be applied, something we can sink our teeth into, all right? Uh, let's take and turn, if you will, to the book of Proverbs. We'll find several verses here today dealing with some things. Proverbs chapter number 6. Proverbs chapter number 6. And we're going to read down verse number six, uh, verse number 16. 
These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Now, I'm going to stop right here for a moment, and we're getting ready to see a list. Again, I just want to say inside uh, a side item that both the Hebrew and the Greek languages, which were the primary languages that our Bible was written in originally, both of them had a rule of grammar that they followed, and it's called the law of first mention. And any time that they would make a list of something in the Hebrew culture or in the Jewish culture, they would always take the most important and the most pertinent thing and make it the top of the list. So it's, well, it's good for us as we come to Scripture and we learn how we're supposed to go about studying our Bibles that when we see lists in Scripture, the first thing that is on the list is of primary importance. It's above all else. And so Solomon writing here says, These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven, are an abomination unto him. And look at the first one. The Bible says in verse number 17, a what? A proud look. We talk about abominations and we stand against them and we preach against them and we're bold against them. We come out in force against them when it deals with homosexuality and the gender movement. And rightly so, we ought to. If it's an abomination to God, it ought to be something we take a stand for. Amen. But the truth is, we overlook others that that God calls an abomination. Because we have the problem (laughs) in those cases. And have you noticed that it's always everybody else's sin that's the worst sin? It's not mine. Or at least, at least that's what we think, isn't it? But this thing of pride, every single one of us has a problem with it. Every one of us. And it's an abomination, and it ought be one of those things that we look at just as we would homosexuality, and we say, if God detests it, then I detest it. If it's something that is an abomination to God, then it's, it's going to be an abomination to me. I hate pride coming up in my life. And it ought to be the way a Christian is. Sadly, we don't. We usually coddle our pride and our ego. We try to protect it. Uh, there's contention. You know, the Bible teaches that only by pride cometh contention. Did you know that? When there's contention between God's people, you can mark it down. One or both have pride in the, in the problem. And so he says here, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth imaginations... Feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Can I tell you this, that we find that Solomon, in speaking of these abominable things, speaks to the character and the human nature of man. And one of the things that I think we need to realize and understand and come to grips with in this thing of of trying to be gracious to people, is we need to understand our tendency of gravitating towards scandal. Uh, I don't know if you notice this, but human nature likes to hear the bad news. You don't believe me? Look at the billion-dollar news outlets that make their money on bad news. The only way they do that is because they know that the human nature is going to gravitate to it. And, uh, boy, you just can't wait to hear how bad your neighbor has it. You can't wait to hear what so-and-so did wrong. And you can't wait many times to go and share what so-and-so did wrong. Have you noticed that? If we're going to get the victory in this area of being gracious to people, 
we've got to get to a point where we have no joy, where we have no glee inwardly uh, of discord and scandalous things that happen in the lives of others. We've got to get to the place where we uh, look for the best in the situation, where we take no joy in the downfall of others. Again, the proud look is the root of it. If you take a, and make that the most important part of the list, the pride is what causes all of the rest. The proud look causes the lying tongue. It causes the hands that shed innocent blood. It causes a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations and feet that are swift in running to mischief. We have a tendency towards scandalous things. As a Christian, we need to know this, be aware of it, and guard against it. If we're, going to, if we're going to be gracious to someone and they fall and they have a problem in their life, we need to learn to treat them graciously. And it's not going to happen if our glee, if our joy, if, our, if what we like is to hear the bad news about them. It ought to break our hearts. Years ago, there was a fellow that went out of his way to publicly humiliate me and some things. He uh, had spread literally news all over the world, had posted it on social media, and I had uh, people all the way from Japan calling me, telling me they were going to be praying for me in the situation because this fellow had done such a, a vicious thing. And several years later, I found out that his wife had a stroke. And my heart broke. And I sent him a letter and I said, Brother, I'm praying for you. Now, the truth of the matter is what he had done had hurt me deeply. To this day, I look back on him and the pain's there still. But beyond my pain, that brother was hurting. The woman that he loved with all of his heart was having a major medical problem. And my heart went out to him. It would have been easy for me to say, boy, he got what he deserved. It would have been so easy to be like, man, I'm sure glad God finally got him back. That would have been the natural tendency, wouldn't it? And I'm not going to stand here before you and tell you those thoughts didn't come into my heart. But that man was grieving then and he didn't need to hear any of that, did he? He needed somebody to come beside him and treat him graciously. And can I tell you this? We need to learn not to glee and not to have joy in the scandals of others. Look with me also in Proverbs chapter 6, verse number 19. The Bible says, A false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Spurgeon completely misunderstood the situation and began to spread things about Brother Parker that weren't true. I do not believe that Spurgeon did it intentionally. I believe he did it out of ignorance and the fact that he did not know firsthand what Brother Parker had said or done. But I'll tell you this, that we tend to react to things that we hear. My dad, years ago, when I was a kid, I'd come home and somebody would say something that would hurt my feelings. And uh, one of the things he would say is, he'd make me quote the little poem, Sticks and Stones May Break Your Bones. You all ever had to quote that one? 
but words will never hurt you, you know. But the other thing he used to tell me all the time, he said, Greg, don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. Because the truth of the matter is, unless we know firsthand most of the time, the story has been distorted. And the, the difference usually between a big problem and a little problem is 24 hours. Somebody comes and tells you what so-and-so said about you or did to you. And our first inclination, our first reaction is, let me strike back. Well, let me get on, I'm going to get on Facebook or I'm going to get on Twitter and I'm going to blast them and I'm going to tell everybody what they did to me. Just give it 24 hours. Let the truth come out. Go to that person. Find out what's going on. Solomon said that this is an abomination, a false witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. Some of it may be unintentional, but I believe some of it's intentional. It's designed to hurt people. And when they do that, how do we respond? If we understand human nature, we understand that there's a tendency towards scandal. We understand that not everything that, that we hear is true. Then we can guard against that. We can guard against that. Number one, we have a tendency towards scandal. Number two, everything that we hear is not true. Number three, good people make serious mistakes. Let me say that one one more time because this is one that we fail in so many times. Good people make serious mistakes. Does that make them a bad person? No. <laughs> They're just human and made a mistake. And we need to understand that. Look with me in Proverbs chapter number 14, if you will. Proverbs chapter number 14, verse number 17. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. How quickly do we knee-jerk react to the things that happen? Or do we pray for that brother? Do we help them? Do we try to find a way to, to, to encourage them, realizing that they understand the mistake they've made and they're in need of help? Titus chapter number 1, if you would like to turn there, you may. If not, you can write it down in your notes. But Titus chapter number 1, Paul speaking to Titus in verse number 7 as he gives some, some, uh, some characteristics of a pastor. And he says, For a bishop must be blameless, as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry. We've got to be careful that we hold our tempers in check because there will come times when good people, people we look up to, people that we admire, will make grave mistakes. And we need to understand it was a mistake. They don't need to be beat up over it. They need to be helped. They need to be encouraged. They need to be strengthened. Think about the times that you make mistakes. <laughs> If you can never think of any. I certainly can think of many that I've made already today. Mistakes that we make. I would sure hope that somebody would know my heart and know that it was not intentional. I would sure hope that somebody would come along and say, what can I do to help you get over this? I think that's what Christ would do, don't you? I think Christ would look at an old rotten sinner that has a life that is 
following after the things of this world, I think he would come and say, I'm going to make you a new creature. I'm going to help you become something you can't even become on your own. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could learn to edify the brethren? If we could learn this concept of being gracious to them when they make mistakes. This one kind of ties in with number one. In that when we see the mistake of somebody that's a good person, human nature is, oh boy, they slipped, they fell. I had a plaque in my office years ago that somebody gave me and that said, people love it when perfection stumbles. And that's the truth. In this case, maybe not perfection, but good people. We have that tendency. Number four, grace is always the best course of action. There is never a time that grace is not the best course of action. Look with me, if you will, in Proverbs chapter number 15, verse number 1. Solomon says this, A soft answer does what? It turns away wrath. A soft answer turneth away wrath. The fact that we need to learn to be gracious every time. Not just some of the time, not part of the time, not when it's just... Not too bad, but kind of bad. Can I tell you that every time we need to learn to be gracious. It's, it's going to be difficult. It's a simple concept. Have you noticed that? Grace is not a difficult concept, but it's very hard to accomplish. It's not a complex thought, but it's extremely hard to do. Look with me in Galatians chapter 6 and we'll be done. Galatians chapter number 6 and verse number 18 Paul, in finishing up his letter to the book of, uh, to the church at Galatia, he ends it with the, the final words, Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Paul had some things that he had to say to the Galatians, some things to correct them on some problems they were having. And yet, when he gets to the end of the letter... He says, but I want you to have the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want it to be part of who you are. I want it to be your character. I want this to be an identifying mark of your church. That the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Can I tell you this? I think it would do this world an awful lot of good if they could find even a handful of churches that were full of members who knew how to be gracious I'm not talking about compromising. I'm not talking about not standing for what's right. But I'm talking about how we treat people. There's a big difference in taking a stand for right and being mean about it and taking a stand for right and being gracious about it. I think that we've given our churches a black eye many times over the years by being so strong and bold, which I don't think is a problem in the world. But we forget the graciousness of it. We forget all about it. We all know that we're to be gracious. Not a new concept. But perhaps knowing these tendencies of our flesh and our nature will help us to get to a point where we can guard against them and become more gracious in our lives. What about that person that did you wrong? I mean, they just there's something that just rubbed you the wrong way. How do you treat them? My kids have grown up. (laughs) 
You ever notice kids can be mean to each other? Were y'all ever that way when you were kids? No, we didn't do that, did we? Did we pick on other kids? Or were we picked on? We were the ones being picked on probably. My kids have been brought up with this. Over the years, sometimes somebody would pick on them, give them a hard time at school. They'd come home and they'd be crying, Dad, you won't believe. Guys, what would I always tell you to do? Go buy them a candy bar. Buy them a candy bar. You say, Brother Greg, that's simple. It is. <laughs> but it's hard to do. It's hard to do. And if you think it's hard for kids to do, wait till you grow up. When you get to be an adult, it's even harder. I'm not saying, hey, by the way, I'm going to get a bad complex if all of a sudden I come to my office this week and there's a bunch of candy bars laying on my desk from all of y'all. Y'all, under, y'all understand where I'm going with this, though. There are people that will hurt us, sometimes intentional, sometimes unintentional. Both deserve our grace. Well, you don't understand, Brother Greg, what they did to me. No, I may not understand what they did to you. But I certainly know what I've done to God. And if He's given His grace to me, then surely I can give my grace to someone else. All right? I hope that will be a help to you. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. May You use this to be a help in our lives. Lord, help us to be gracious, folks. Help us to treat one another with kindness. Lord, when there are problems and when there are mistakes made, perhaps even bitterness in in issues where intentional things are done. Lord, may we respond with grace. Help us to be a shining example and a testimony to your grace in our lives. Dismiss us now with your blessings. Lord, thank you so much for the day you've given to us. Lord, what a wonderful day. Beautiful day outside and a wonderful day around your word and around your people. Dismiss us now with your blessings. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless.